I love Sower LA. Sower LA is at Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church, 1955 West Jefferson, in the heart of Los Angeles, where brothers and sisters come from all around Los Angeles. They come just as they are. We pray in the presence of the Santissimo and receive our healing and our blessings. We share our testimonies, and God is providing miracles after miracles. We're setting the captives free, saving souls for Jesus. I'm Deacon Doug Johnson, Holy Name of Jesus. Don't forget, we meet every Thursday from 7.30 to 9.30. May Almighty God bless each and every one of you real good. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. has arrived. So tonight's speaker is Esteban Cobarrubias. Sorry if I pronounced it wrong, brother. But he will be sharing with us a powerful message on the title. The title is Easter Believing is Seeing, Doubting Thomas Believing. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Um, I'm really excited for this topic, actually. And um, it's kind of crazy because this year I decided to do a program called Exodus 90. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it, but it's a 90-day program. The way I see it is Lent on steroids. Uh, it's pretty much like Lent, but you go through a 90-day journey in which we accompany the the um, the early church, right, the Israelites, as they're led by Moses out of Egypt into freedom, right? And as we go into Easter Sunday, the day in which Jesus Christ resurrects and we experience that freedom through him, uh, it's it's truly incredible, and it's an experience that I honestly just wish to invite any guy who wants to do it any in the following year, any year. Um, awesome experience, great program. Uh, and without further ado, let's start in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Saint Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as I was preparing for this topic, one of the first things that came to my mind was the way in which COVID and the pandemic really shook the way of life for me. In many ways, I felt like I had things under control, things were going nice and neat, um, when out of nowhere there was change, right? And like many other people, I wasn't really comfortable with losing control over the things in my life, right? And in many ways, I started to experience different forms of doubt, right? I doubted uh, my previous plans. I doubted my faith, and I questioned God, you know, what's going on? You know, I had plans. I had things that I was supposed to do. I had events planned. I had uh, the future, you know, I, I was graduating high school, I was going to, into college, and this was a very big moment in my life, right? And when things started to change, I really began to question God and to ask him, you know, what's going on? In that same way, I think that when things change in our lives, we experience things that lose our comfort, that make us uncomfortable. Sometimes we don't like that, right? Or we, we start to doubt. And when we enter into this doubt, right? We oftentimes think that this is evil. This is bad. But as we're going to read today, we see that in many ways, doubt can lead us 
to having one of the greatest faiths when we do so properly, right? So I'd like to share the reading today from the Gospel of John, uh, John chapter 20. And if you guys have a Bible, you can pull it out. If not, I want you guys to just enter into this Gospel with me as we go through this event as it unfolds after the death of Jesus. And so here we begin the Gospel according to John. And on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene cometh early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre. And she saw the stone taken away from the sepulchre. She ran therefore and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they had laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they came to the sepulchre. And they both ran together. And that other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And when, and when he stooped down, he saw the linen clothes lying, but he yet not went in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and saw the linen clothes lying and the napkin that had been on his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but apart, wrapped up in one place. Then that the other disciple also went in, who came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. The disciples therefore departed again to their home. So I'd like to take a pause right here. The word of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I really want to get into the character of Mary before getting to Thomas. And the reason for this is because Mary goes first to the tomb and sees it empty. Right? So in each of these characters, she saw something, right? What she see, the empty tomb. And out of that image of what she saw, she believed something. And what is it? She believed that they had taken Jesus, right? She was confident. In fact, she was so confident that somebody had stolen Jesus that she went to Peter and to John and told them that they did so, okay? And many times I find myself like Mary because God shows me just an, a fragment of the truth, right? I see the empty tomb. And I'm so uncomfortable with not seeing the full picture that I plug in my own answer and say they had taken Jesus, right? And I'm so confident in that belief. But yet there's something that Mary has not seen yet. There's a piece that's missing, which will eventually unfold to her when the angel appears to her, right? But at that moment, she, she, tells, she tells Peter and John, right? And when they hear this, do they immediately believe? No, they don't. And actually, thank God that they didn't, because if they had believed Mary, then who knows what sorts of plans the disciples would have had that day. Uh, they probably would have started to form an alliance to take back Jesus from whoever had stolen him, right? But thank God that, that John actually doubted and says, you know what, I got to go see for myself. You know, Mary, I believe that, that you went and saw an empty tomb, but, but I got to go see for myself to really make sure that Jesus had been taken, right? And we see that when John and Peter go to the tomb, they see something that Mary did not see. They noticed something that Mary did not notice. And that was the linen clothes, the napkin and the linen cloth that were there, which now we know are actually the Shroud of Turin and the Sudarium of Oviedo. These two great relics. In fact, these relics were lacerated. They were, they were tied around the body of Jesus, right? these sacred clothing that adorned the body of Jesus as he was in his death state, a state of death, and then resurrected, right? They saw this close, and at the sight of this, 
they believed. And you might think that's kind of silly that by seeing some clothes in a tomb, they believed that Jesus was back. But the reason for this, actually, St. John Chrysostom explains, is because when the body is actually buried, there's different elements that they put. So the cloth actually gets like it becomes almost one with the skin of the person. It's so tightly compacted that if someone actually tried to take it off of the dead body, it would get ripped up and wrinkled. And we actually noticed this in the resurrection of Lazarus when there was other people that actually helped take the clothing off of him because it was all around his body. And it's, it's a very messy process. You know, so if you go to this tomb and you see these clothes nicely wrapped, they're like, okay, something's going on here, right? Jesus definitely did a miracle and he's back, right? So this is, I think, where we see the beauty of having community because if Mary was by herself and had no one to question her doubt, then she would have gone on to do some crazy things without having the full picture in mind. And we too can follow the same suit, which is why it's so important moving forward here as we come to believe something, it's very important that we check with the church, the tradition, what the saints have said to make sure that our belief is not just in our head, but it's actually a truth. And we can therefore go on to truly believe that and to take action as a result. Um, but without further ado, let's now go into the character of Thomas, who I think adds a whole other dimension to this as we go into verse 19, a reading from the book of John. Now, when it was late the same day, the first of the week, and the doors were shut where the disciples were gathered together for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples therefore were glad when they saw the Lord. He said therefore to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father hath sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them, and whose sins you shall retain are retained. Now Thomas, one of the twelve who was called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciple therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Jesus cometh, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put thy finger hither and see my hands, and bring hither thy hand, and place it in my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because thou hast seen me, Thomas, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and have believed. Many other signs also did Jesus in the sight of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And this is how the gospel ends, okay? Something that I find beautiful 
is the fact that Jesus utilizes the biggest doubter to end the gospel in the most climactic way possible with the phrase, my Lord and my God, which truly is a perfect saying to represent the incarnation of Jesus Christ, right? That not only is Jesus Lord and God, but he is my Lord and he is my God. And that personalization of the gospel is something that we haven't seen before. And not only that, but it's what ends the gospel, which I find to be incredible. But let's take a step back and see the way in which Jesus goes about this, right? So when Jesus appears to the disciples, everybody is there, right? Or at least everyone's supposed to be there, right? Thomas is missing out. What a, what a bad day Thomas must have had to come back and say, I just missed the presence of Jesus, right? The, God, the disciples are telling him, you know, Jesus was right here talking to us. And not only did he miss out, but so much that he didn't even believe them, right? He's like, that's too good to be true. Uh, in many ways, I, I truly think that Thomas was grieving the loss of Jesus, right? I, I find myself saying in his character, probably with his mind, man, you know, I, I already believed in him once. You know, I was in my own path. And when he appeared to me, when he was with us, I chose to believe and follow him. And look what happened. You know, now he's dead, right? And I'm, in many ways, I feel like he's just going through this, this time of grievance, this time of doubt. Right, so much that he's not ready to hear that he's back. When when the disciples tell Thomas Jesus has resurrected, right? They're rejoicing. It's Easter. You know, they're they're singing, they're dancing, they're probably so excited to share with him. I'm not sure if you've ever had an experience where you go to like a retreat, let's say, and you just you just encountered the Lord, you just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you come back home and you're telling your brother, like, I just felt this, this happened, and he's looking at you like you're crazy. You know, it's just like I don't know where you went, but you've probably had a little bit too much to drink and you got to take a nap. You got to take a chill pill. You know, something's going on with you, right? Because Thomas is just not ready to receive that grace of joy just yet because he's still grieving, right? And many times us too, as we go through Lent and we go through the fasting, sometimes when Easter comes, we're so focused on the grievances. We're so focused on, on being repentant that we're not ready for the joy we're not ready to hear the news that Jesus is back. And not only that, but he's won over sin. He's won over Satan. And he's back to gain his kingdom. Right? That news wasn't able to reach Thomas just yet. Right? And so he, he doubted. Just like I would have doubted. And many times they, they tell me these things. And I'm like, there's just no way. Unless I see it. Right? And in many ways, I think Thomas was exaggerating. I don't think Thomas was serious when he asked this. You know, unless I put my finger in his in his hand and not only that, but also in his side, my whole hand in his in his side, then I will believe. And he's almost saying it rhetorically. He's kind of joking, you know, and then Jesus appears again and he sees him and he goes first to Thomas. And says, put thy finger in my hand. And not only that, but also thy hand in my side. Right. And I can imagine Thomas looking at him in such awe. Right. He's just like, how could I be so stupid? How could I have not believed? You know, so much like I didn't believe you, Jesus. But not only that, I ridiculed you by asking for things which I am far unworthy of to touch thy sacred wounds. 
And yet still you appear first to me and you allow me to make contact with you. That's how much Jesus loves us, right? That he, he not only comes back, right? But he, he's willing to allow us to touch his wounds that we might come to believe too. He's willing to go to any extent to bring back his lost lamb, right? And I'm not sure if you've ever had a cut before, but sometimes I, I, I laugh at myself because I get such a small cut and my sister will touch it and I'll start screaming, you know? I can imagine Jesus having these, these, these big old wounds, right? And not only does Thomas tap them, he actually makes contact. He pierces within them. He's grasping the wounds. And just how much painful that must be for Jesus, and yet he allows it to do so, right? We, we get a glimpse of the heart of Jesus in this image, which I think goes beyond any other image we've seen in the gospel, right? Not only does Jesus say that he, he will go to any extent for his lamp, but in this image, we see him actually doing it, right? He actually goes there, right? He stoops down to our level so much, right? I think that, I really hope Jesus doesn't regret this, you know, but that's his mercy for us. That's the love he has for us. That he's willing to go to the very depths. He's willing to go even to, to the phrases that we think are rhetorical, our extremes, you know, if I only could, you know, I will only believe if I couldn't do this, you know, and, and there's where Jesus encounters us. And this is where Jesus finds Thomas in this day, which I think is amazing. It's, it's fundamentally life-changing. And if you guys can truly see this image of Jesus coming back, resurrected, in his resurrected body to Thomas, and say, you too can enter the kingdom. You too can believe. Right? But he also goes a step further and says, you do not have to do this to believe. Right? And blessed are they who believe without seeing. And this is where I get a little jealous sometimes. I'm like, you know what? He just said that to be nice, right? But, but it's so true. And, and I want to take a step further just recognizing what does it mean to actually see something, right? Sometimes we think, you know, God, if I can just see you, you know, we go to, to mass and we, we go in front of the Eucharist and like, God, like, why can't I just actually see you like Thomas did? Why do I have to look at this, this image of a host, right? But I think that in many ways, not only is our current relationship with Jesus more profound, but it also goes to show a lot more about the kind of belief that we have. And I think a good example of this is uh, when we fail. So here's an example. The other day I went to take my driving test. Um, I'm actually 18 years old. I went to go take my driving test to get my license. And I was actually kind of preparing myself to see, you know, hopefully I don't fail, right? But I had a vision in my mind. I had a vision, right, that I knew whether I fail or not, eventually I'm going to keep taking that test until I win, until I pass. You know, and sometimes in our lives we have a kind of vision. You know, we have, we have a goal. And that goal in our mind sometimes is so much clearer than the piece of paper that says whether we win or we, pa or we, we pass or we fail, right? So let's say that I would have failed that test, you know. Looking at that piece of paper, even though it's a physical paper that says I failed, I know in my mind, I'm going to take that test again until I pass it, right? My mind is on the next step. It's on what's to come. It's not so much on, on the here and now, the physical sight of this piece of paper, but my sight is now beyond this. My sight is now, I know I need to drive someday because I'm going to go to college and have a life, right? I'm determined, right? And there's nothing that's going to take away my determination to go beyond this, 
right? This piece of paper is telling me I failed this test, but I know within the very depth of my being that I'm going to pass it, right? I know this is a, a, a trivial example, but in that same way, I think our, our life with Jesus and with the Lord has to be like this. If it's not like this, then we got to work on building this vision, okay? I, I've been looking at, you look at any successful person, right? Take like famous basketball players, Kobe Bryant, right? He had a vision. No matter what happens, no matter how many times I fail, I know that this present, even though I can see physical things that are telling me otherwise, within myself, I have a vision, I have a sight, I believe that I'm gonna get beyond this, right? And that there's something waiting for me on the other side. And that is what Jesus is calling us to, right? To know that here I am living my life, right? I'm going through a lot of physical things that are telling me certain things. I'm seeing things that are making me question, that are making me doubt God, that are making me doubt my faith. But yet within me, I have a determination. Within me, I know that there's something beyond this. And I can't quite see it. You know, I can't quite describe it to you physically, but yet it's there. And I know it's there. And I know that no matter what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there, right? I'm going to do whatever it takes, whatever is necessary, because I know that I need to get there. And that in some sense, I was made for there, right? In many ways, that there is heaven. That there is freedom, right? And when we go through our trials, such as COVID, right, that shake up our lives, that tell us otherwise, and we can see it physically, and yet it doesn't convince you. It doesn't convince me. I can see you telling me I'm going to fail, but you're not convincing me because I know within me that there's something beyond. There's something more, right? I can get another chance. And that's what Jesus is telling us in this day. You have another chance, right? I know you doubted me, Thomas. You didn't believe me, but it's okay, right? I'm giving you a second chance. Put thy finger in my hand and thy hand in my, in my side. And be not unbelieving, but believe. And from here on out, change, make a difference, and be on board with me because next stop is heaven. Right? I just died and I conquered death. You too will have to die. But it's okay. Because even though the death may seem real, even though that death, you can see it, you can feel it, and it feels like it's going to be the end, there's something beyond. There's something greater. And I want you to get on board with that. I want you to feel that within the depth of yourself, right? That we go to, for example, the sacrament, we go to mass and we see the host and we're like, God, I am just seeing bread. You know, like I can see the saints that look at the Eucharist and are seeing other things, but me, I can't, I don't get it. You know, I just see bread. But in many ways, that's all you need to see. But yet within yourself, there's a fire that burns and a knowledge that you can't really describe and yet you know and truly believe that there that that is not just it there's something beyond that that jesus is truly present and that he's calling you to himself and not only that but he wants to enter into you right just as thomas was able to enter into jesus into his wounds jesus wishes to enter into us and into our wounds you know many times i've been looking at my life and I can see the ways in which I have been wounded in my life. You know, the scars that I have. And many times I'm embarrassed by them. And when I go to receive the Eucharist, I'm like, Jesus, how in the world are you going to ask me to receive you at this moment? 
Do you not see how, how much scars I have? Do you not see my wounds? You know, we're embarrassed of them. And yet Jesus shows us such a phenomenal example in the gospel today. And that is, I have wounds too. Jesus says, I have wounds too. And I want you to put thy finger in my wounds and let me enter into you and to put my whole being into you and into your wounds. That you may be transformed. So I want to, as we finish up this talk, just think within yourself, what are the ways in which I have doubted God? Where's the line that I've drawn and said, God, this is it. You can't, you can't go beyond this barrier. You know, are you, are you still resisting the Lord? Have you not yet accepted that he resurrected? Are you still grieving his death? Are you still repenting timelessly? Are you still trying to find something in that tomb that is no longer there? So many times have I gone back to that tomb, searching every corner, so determined. I'm saying, I know that you're here somewhere, Lord. And yet Jesus is telling us today, I am no longer there. I am back. I have resurrected. I'm going beyond this. Death is not the end. It wasn't the end for me and it's not the end for you either. There's something beyond this. And though you can't see it, you need to believe it. And so tonight I want to truly make a prayer and join me to ask the Lord to help us believe. And then knowing that we don't have to see things like Thomas, we don't have to put our finger physically in the Lord to believe tonight. The Lord just wants your soul. He wants your acceptance and your willingness to believe. That's all he needs. Just a small slice, even if you're like Thomas, and it's so slight, you're like, Jesus, I'll believe, but you gotta do all this. Allow the Lord to take apart your request. Take down your guard tonight and allow him to enter into you like he would do at Pentecost for the apostles, to enter into the upper room, right? The room where you have all the doors locked and closed out of fear. And yet the Lord goes through the walls. He will go through anywhere to be with you tonight, to accompany you in your fears, in your doubts. I want to thank you guys for, for being with me tonight, for hearing this talk. Uh, it's a great privilege to be able to share this gospel with you. I find it that every time I come back to it, right, this, this image of Thomas, this image of the disciples, the way in which each character goes through their own doubts, goes through their own struggles. And in many ways, I can find myself relating to each and every one of them in different times in my life. Right? And I hope that tonight you too can, can relate to Thomas a little bit. Maybe you relate it to John or to, to Mary. But in that same way, at the end of the day, each and every one of them came to the same conclusion. They all came to believe. Right? Jesus does not expect us all to find him in the same way. He encounters each and every one of us in a very personal and a very unique way in our lives. And he loves that. 
He loves to, to get to know you for who you are. Why? Because he created you and you're unique in your own way. In that same way, tonight is just the beginning, right? Easter is just the start, right? Where Jesus says, you got to get on board with me and believe. And from here, it's not going to be easy, right? You're going to be crucified. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to go through all sorts of things. But it's going to be worth it in the end. Hello, everybody. My name is Rosa Peñate, and I'm leadership of the Sower Los Angeles Ministry. And I'm here to invite you and remind you that our encounter nights still continue, even though we're not meeting in person. So you can find us every Thursday at 7.30 live on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel at 7.30 for our Sower LA virtual encounter nights. Like always, we have the divine mercy. We have praise and worship, amazing preaching. Glorification of God is man alive and the best part virtual altar call where all of you guys get to share your prayer requests with us while we pray with you and pray for you along with deacon doug the healing presence of god and all of our team members visit us at facebook.com backslash soarelay and give us a thumbs up and youtube.com backslash the soarelay ministry and subscribe Hi, this is Ramon Bordius with The Sower Ministry. I've got a place for you to surf, but it's not a beach. It's www.jesusthesower.com. There you will find testimonies of people giving their witness to Jesus Christ. You'll hear awesome preachings. You'll be able to submit prayer requests. You can get events that The Sower and El Sembrador will be doing. But most of all, you can start on your path to reconnect with your Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember, www.jesusthesower.com. God bless you.